What's up, everybody? Welcome out to 208 Sports Review, Episode 2. Appreciate you tuning in last week for the introduction. Uh, today, we got a couple of topics for you. One on the field, one off the field. So let's jump right into it for our on-the-field topic. I'm just trying to come to terms with how the Cowboys lost yesterday. Not, not the fact that they lost, because any team can be beaten on any given day, but how they lost. I mean, it's a typical Cowboys. It's a typical Cowboys game, especially in a in a very important one. It's like, okay, let's play like crap, get ourselves in a hole, come back, give the fans some hope, and then have our hearts broken, ripped right out from our chest. Um, that was pretty pretty brutal to watch. I'm not gonna lie, I'm having like that Monday morning hangover uh, from the game. It's like you just can't come to terms with the fact that the season's actually already over. And, and this is why I hate bye weeks in the playoffs, okay? Bye weeks in the playoffs frustrate me because the team always comes out rusty. And they they say that it takes about a quarter to get the, the bye week rust off, and that's about exactly what happened yesterday. I mean, you got yourselves in a hole, took about a quarter, and then they started, you know, coming together midway through the second quarter. You could see the Cowboys starting to get their rhythm going. Third quarter... They were starting to flow on offense. Defense still couldn't make the, the stops they needed to, but in the fourth quarter, it was just going. It's too little too late, though. It's like, oh, they always have that rusty performance if they have a bye week, and, and it just irritates me so much. Uh, even the Patriots kind of had a little bit of a taste of that against the Texans. I mean, for a lot of that game, you could tell the Patriots weren't uh, clicking. They weren't clicking on all cylinders there uh, until, you know, Brock Osweiler decided to be, well, Brock Osweiler and remember who he was, which is a, you know, a 10-foot waste of space. And so, I mean, then they pulled themselves out. But luckily for them, they were playing Brock Osweiler. For the Cowboys, they were playing Aaron Rodgers. Oh, Aaron Rodgers. Seriously, how can you not figure out that Aaron Rodgers is going to rush to the snap on a third down? You cannot substitute your guys, and if you do so, you need to get off the field and be ready for it. I mean, he does it every single game. And you, you know, you, the Cowboys, had an extra week to prepare for that. You had an extra week to watch film and see that, oh, pretty much every third down, Aaron Rodgers is counting He's counting the players on the field. And if you have 12 men on the field because you're subbing in and out, he's going to rush up to the snap and he's going to snap the ball and you're going to get a five-yard penalty. I mean, it's mistakes like that. It just it just boggles my mind. It, it happened once earlier in the game. Hitchens makes a nice stop. He's running off the field because he's dancing around and finally drags off the field. All of a sudden, you see Rodgers rushes up to the ball and then Crawford's trying to run off to the sideline and he's pretty much at a, you know, walking at a brisk pace, you know, it's, oh, let me get off the, the let me get off to the sideline before he snaps, snap, five-yard penalty, five-yard penalty, result of the play is a first down, okay, let's keep the drive alive because of stupidity, you can't coach stupid, that just comes with the, the players and, and the coaching staff, uh, who, whoever's running it, you, like, that's just, you got to be able to study that, that's IQ, that's understanding the situation, um, that's bad. And it's like, it's like Rodgers, every single time, it's like the, the, the teams, they, they see him counting, and it shows him doing the replay where he's like, one, two, three, four, and he counts to 12. He sees, oh, oh, I got it. Oh, let's run up there. And he's like, 
he's like Mr. Larson on Happy Gilmore. And I'll I'll show you what I mean by that. It's like the other team is Shooter McGavin, and he's like Mr. Larson. Listen, I'll give you the example here so you can kind of see what I'm talking about. That's two thus far, Shooter. Oh, you can count. Good for you. And you can count on me waiting for you in the parking lot. So that's what I'm talking about. He He's like, oh, well, they're going to make fun of me because I'm counting, but then I'm going to take him to the parking lot. I'm going to throw touchdowns all over him, throw for almost 400 yards, destroy them, pick them apart in the secondary. Oh, lo and behold, I'm in the NFC Championship. Um, yeah, it's frustrating to watch it as a fan. Oh, man. And I want to say I'm proud of the Cowboys because I am. They've overperformed all season. And that's really cool to watch as a fan. Your team has two rookies in the backfield just absolutely controlling the games, and that's cool. But I'm sick of always saying there's always next year. There's always next year. That's what you say. Oh, there's always next year. They got a good foundation. They got some stuff coming for them. That's great, but in every sport, it's the same thing. Like You never know what next year is going to bring. There could be injuries next season. This year we were fortunate not to have a ton of those on offense. There could be a ton of injuries. There could be trades there could be a lot of stuff and and this there'll never be just this exact same team again and you never know when that opportunity is going to arise so i'm sick of saying there's always going to be next year i've been saying that since i was seven years old just just so you know that's i mean i'm going on 21 years now that i have yet to see my cowboys play in a super bowl so and i was little back then i mean i understood football but it wasn't like the passion that i have now for it so it's frustrating to keep saying that so i'm hoping that uh, something good can come out of this um flashback to my senior year in high school i mean we're playing basketball first game of the season's on a friday night and our team had been our, our basketball program was on a downslope for like the the previous two seasons the the previous two years we were kind of we had won like six games then we won like four games we were we we're on a downslope so our senior year, everybody was pretty excited because we had a we had a lot of good talent our senior year. First game of the season, Friday night, we packed the stadium pretty well. I mean, they came to the gym, had a lot of students there, a lot of fans there. Friday night game, we were playing a team from up north in our state, so they came in. We beat them by twenty points, and it was awesome. We were on fire. Everything was good. Emotions were great. We were, we were killing it. So what ended up happening was we someone scheduled the game the next morning at 10 o'clock in the morning. So, cause they had two teams from up North travel down to our, to down to the South part of the state to come play us and one other high school. And so played on a Friday night and then a Saturday morning. So Friday night we were jacked. We were excited. We went out and we had fun after the game. And then we had to be back to the gym at eight 30 in the morning so we could get warmed up and, and play this other team. Um, if anyone's ever played sports, if you had to play like roughly 12 hours after the last game ended, your legs aren't ready for that. Like, there was no way I was going to be able to be moving like I was the night before. Same thing with the rest of our team. And so we show up to the to the court. We thought we were going to have a walkthrough because as we're like warming up, the other team comes out on the court, and I'm not even kidding, not even one person on their team was over six feet tall. And we're like, all right, we were a pretty decently sized team. Pretty much all of us were over six foot. So like we were pretty big for, for a high school team for the most part. And, uh, yeah, we're like, okay. And it looked like we were going to play the, the Hobbits from the Shire. And what ended up happening was they uh, did not stop moving ever. They they didn't let us 
have a break at all. And we were slow. We were sluggish. They couldn't miss a shot ever. They hit every three they took, it seemed like, and they beat us by 30 points. So luckily for us, there wasn't a lot of fans in the stadium at, you know, 10 o'clock in the morning on a Saturday. So the next week we go in to have our third game of the year. It's middle of the next week. We've had a couple days of practice. And throughout that whole week, we almost like as a team, we kind of like forgot about that Saturday game. We're like, you know what? That didn't really happen. There wasn't a lot of people there to see it. The only way they'd know is if they heard it from someone or they saw it in the newspaper. But we kind of brushed it off as if it never even happened. We're like, no, we had a really, really good first game. Uh, that's that's what we're going to base the season off of. We had that good first game. Well, our coach wrote a little bit of a humbling phrase up on the whiteboard. and He says, you're only as good as your last game. So, you know, it was kind of like, you guys are a little too confident for a team that just lost by 30 points. Let's get our heads back and, and, and focus on it. And that's a life lesson for me. You're only as good as your last game. And so same thing for Dallas. Great season. I mean, they overperformed, and they, they showed the world that they can actually play some ball. And when they got a three-headed monster in Dak Prescott, Ezekiel Elliott, and uh, Des Bryant, and that's going to be amazing. If they can keep most of their offensive line together for about two or three more years, it's going to be insane. But, yeah, so you had a great year. But remember, you're only as good as your last game. Were there good things in that last game? Absolutely. The offense was rolling. They exposed Green Bay's defense just like Green Bay exposed ours. But our defense needs work. They need help. We're going to have some linebacker help coming in next season. Jalen Smith's going to be playing. Uh, so they'll have some solid linebacking core, but they need to work on their secondary and most of all, their pass rush. If we're going to invest some money in something, let's get a pass rush because we can't let guys like Aaron Rodgers sit back around, uh, dancing around like he's in ballet for 50 minutes every single play. Realistically, it's like five to 10 seconds. You can't expect a, a cornerback, regardless of how good you are. I don't care which corner you are in the league, how good you are, how much you get paid. You ask one of those guys to guard an NFL receiver for over, you know, three to five or five to 10 seconds on a lot of the snaps throughout the game, you're just asking for them to lose coverage. I mean, that's just going to happen. It doesn't matter how athletic you are. But anyways, the Cowboys are only as good as their last game, meaning their offense is legit. Let's keep it firing. But let's work on that defensive line. Let's stop. Let's stop picking up these convicts who can't keep clean when it comes to drugs. And let's actually invest in someone who wants to take the game seriously. As much as I love Randy Gregory, hope the best for him. You know what? We risked it. He was a good athlete, but come on, man. Like you're in the NFL and you had three, four chances and you can't put down the weed pipe. Let's stop doing that. Let's make it let's make it serious here. Now that we can be contenders, let's actually invest in someone who wants to actually play the game. So Dallas, I'm proud of you, but I'm sick of saying that. But hopefully next year we can fix our defense and we can make a run at it because I truly believe the offense is a Super Bowl caliber offense. So thanks for listening to my soapbox. I'm done with that. Now I want to jump onto a different topic. Referees. What the hell is wrong with referees? Is it is it just me or is it they just can't get the calls right? I, I'm not just talking about the Cowboys-Packers game. I'm done with that. There were some calls in there that were iffy, but it goes both ways. I definitely, uh, I'm not just going to say it was, it was all on Green Bay. There's a lot of missed calls in the Cowboys too, but come on. Um, I'm getting sick of seeing, seeing referees uh, ruin the momentum of games and switch that momentum for the other teams. Um, it's starting to ruin the game for me, and I think we should hold them more accountable. I really do. It's like that. the saying is like the, the coaches always say, you don't lose a game over one call or one play, okay? 
That's true. And as someone who competed in sports myself, I understand that. You don't lose a game over one call or one play. But I can assure you that the momentum of a game can switch with one call or one play. And in big games, momentum is huge. And everybody knows that. And I I really think we can go through tons of examples. One that came to mind, though, as I was preparing for the show was actually back in 2006. I I encourage anyone who's listening to this to go onto YouTube and actually search for the Oklahoma-Oregon game 2006. That was when Dennis Dixon was the quarterback at Oregon. And that season was Oklahoma's year to dominate. They were a good team that year. That That was the season they were ranked in the top five, were actually expected to make the national championship at the beginning of the season. Just watch the last two minutes of the game and the two terrible missed calls that the referees made to switch the momentum of the game. Game should have been over because it, there was an onside kick that was recovered by Oregon that um, shouldn't have been allowed because he touched it before 10 yards. And they even reviewed the play and stood with the call on the field. And those are the kinds of things that like get, get me like thinking... You know, I don't want to go to the extreme saying that they're rigged, but sports, yeah, like you can kind of see some of these calls. You're like, how could you even, how could you review that for one and then still keep the call on the field? There's got to be a motive behind it. There's, there's got to be. Um, and I'm not, I'm not suggesting this. I don't want to get, and I don't want to claim that they're doing something fishy or illegal. It just, I want to get your thoughts going in a different direction a little bit and make you kind of open your mind a little bit. Um, I don't know if it's a lack of training, uh, that they need to have more training. We, what the solution would necessarily be here. I don't know if there's money behind it. I don't know, but I do feel that sometimes there are some motives behind the calls that they make and don't make. Now they pick and choose when and when not, when and when not to make a call. And that the inconsistencies in, in the way that they officiate, really frustrate me because you see not just my teams you see other teams lose games because the momentum has switched because of either a bad call or a bad no call um as a sports better um i I encourage everyone who enjoys sports to not do sports betting and the reason why is because you'll start to realize it's almost insane if you look at the vegas spreads every single week how accurate they are how in the world do they know that this team's going to win by, you know, 17 and a half points? So it's a, and they end up winning by 17 or 18 points or within a point of the spread a lot of the time. If you start sports betting and you look at the spreads, you start to realize like there's there's just no way. Like I don't I don't care what algorithms you have, whatever mathematical equations you put together to find this information, there is no way you can tell me that you know how much a team's going to win by and then be spot on a lot of the time. Um, I encourage you to <laughs> watch um, SportsCenter's Scott Van Pelt. He has his segment called Bad Beats, and that's people who do sports betting in the, in the bad um, beats that they have, like when they, then they beat the spread, um, when it's right on the cusp of either covering the spread or not covering the spread. And they, you know, it's for sports bettors like myself. And you'll see some of the ways that games end, and you'll be like, huh, I wonder if that coach had money on the game. I wonder if that's why he was, you know, trying to make it like that. I wonder if that's why he was still throwing. I mean, he's up, 
he's down by 11 points, and the spread's five. I wonder if that's why he's throwing the ball. I mean, why not just take a knee? You're going to lose the game either way, so why are you throwing the ball into the end zone? You know what I mean? Stuff like that. Um, it's it, Maybe it's just to make the score more respectable. I don't know. But you'll see. It, sometimes I think that there's an ulterior motive behind some of the calls and the no calls. Um, going back to the officials, they're awful, man. They're just straight up awful sometimes. And unlike the NFL players, I can say that and not get fined twenty five thousand dollars, which would be awful. In my, <laughs> I wouldn't even be able to live. Is you can say that some of the refs are awful and they need to get uh, get some training there. They need to look deeper into that. Um, if that means you gotta you know, slow down the game a little bit more, I don't know, to maybe review some of those, the, the bad calls that they make. I think you should be able to overturn penalties that really weren't penalties. I really do. I just, I understand the argument of it slows the game down a little bit, but you got to hold some refs accountable. I'm telling you what right now, if I, if I were at work and I, I made a mistake, that's fine. Slap on the wrist. Here you go. Here's your coaching on how to get better. I make the mistake again, I might get a write-up, okay? All right, well, you, you did it again. You didn't you didn't implement my feedback. So here we go. Here's your write-up. If I make that same mistake two or three times, especially in one year, you can bet yourself I'm going to be out of that job. Like, they're not going to keep an employee that doesn't do their job. So how the refs continuously miss their calls and keep their jobs and officiate in big games, whether it be basketball, football, baseball, whatever. Officials, I understand their job is very, very difficult. I just think we need to find some sort of solution to hold them more accountable because it's it's very frustrating to watch these teams that are so passionate have the game switch one way or the other because of a bad call or a bad no call. That's my opinion. Uh, that's my off-the-field topic. I want to hear what you guys have to say about it. Hit up the website www.208sportsreview.com. You can listen to the podcast there if you'd like. You can leave comments if you'd like. Um, we're going to get some articles back up on the website as well. Um, we're going to start flowing a little bit more as this uh, podcast continues to grow. You can listen to the podcast on iTunes. Hopefully, that'll get up here soon. It's on SoundCloud as well. And you, like I said, you can go onto my website. So again, Shane Larson here, 208 Sports Review. I appreciate you tuning in. We'll talk to you next week. Have a good one.